Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pay to Play podcast. It's episode 77. I'm here with James Zajikowski, and we have a jam-packed episode for you today whenever you are listening. Right now for us, it is February 2nd. It's Groundhog Day. Puxatani Phil, he saw his shadow this morning, James. That means we have six more weeks of winter, six more weeks of big boy season. I can't wait. I'm still bundled up. Uh, but on today's episode, folks, yeah. we we have yeah we have a Super Bowl preview. We got the Chiefs playing the Buccaneers. We have a what is what is it officially titled? The DraftKings Big Game Snackdown. I didn't want to get it wrong, folks. By presented by Major League Eating, we have Nick Weary, the number six Major League Eater in the world. He's going to join us again. Then we'll have Brandon Lurch join us to talk about the Super Bowl. Then we'll talk a little bit about the markets. GameStop's gone crazy. It's coming back to earth. We'll fill you in on what's going on. And finally, we still have the Lockies in this episode as well. We'll give you an abridged version of the Lockies. COVID did hurt the Lockies a little bit. There's going to be a few less this year. But without further ado, we're going to go right into our episode, and we're going to start with our interview with Nick Weary and the DraftKings Big Game Snackdown this Sunday. And now we're joined by Nick Weary, the number six major league eating contestant. Um, and Nick now is a recurring guest. We had him back on before the 4th of July, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And boy, you know, it's Super Bowl week, but it's also DraftKings big game snackdown week. Now, you know, it probably doesn't get as much hype as the Super Bowl, but it should. Uh, Nick, we're, we're uh, very glad to have you back on the pay to play podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I am uh, psyched to be back on and very psyched for, you know, Super Bowl week as well as, uh, of course, going into next Sunday for me, big game Snackdown week. So I know there's been a number of life updates and, uh, you know, since we last chatted in July. And uh, first of all, Frank and I wanted to congratulate you on, um, you know, you're expecting Mickey and you are both uh, now going to be um, proud parents. We were shortly um, well, when I say shortly, you know, it'll be a little while, but she's currently ranked number five in major league eating and you're ranked number six. So there's a chance you kind of surpass her here coming up. Uh, yeah, I have to, I moved up the rankings. I think my rookie year, I was year 13 to 14 in the world. And then I moved up to eight and now I'm at six and I'm like, man, she's going to be really hard to pass in normal contests. So how can I make it higher? <laughs> now, <laughs> other competitors better watch out. No, um, you know, Mickey and I have been together now for um, going on almost two years, and um, we were ecstatic to find out, you know, we were expecting uh, our first child. And we've heard all the, the jokes about the insane hunger this kid's going to have. We're breeding some super competitive eating athletes. But um, in all seriousness, we're just um, we're really excited for the journey. Obviously, one of happy, healthy kids. So um, I could not be happier to have her in my corner. Um, and of course, you know, that does make competing slightly easier that she's not going to be kicking my ass every time on stage. Yeah, you could, uh, you could definitely move up to number five, hopefully in the next year. And then she'll have to, uh, she'll have to get, get back in probably 2020, 2022 now, I guess next, next year. Um, yeah. but you're also a puppy parent this week as well. Uh, you guys picked up a, a new dog, Dennis. What kind of dog is Dennis? Dennis is an American bully. Um, so he is right here. All pounds of our friend Dennis. Um, he's beautiful. Thank you. He is nine weeks old. We picked him up. No biting. And uh, so we figure get him nice and trained up. Hopefully 
before the baby gets here, and then they can kind of have friends. Not a grown-up buddy, but no, it's um, he's been great. Plus, Miki always described, you know, we both wanted an American bully. Um, she described it basically as if I was a dog. She's like, it doesn't look very friendly. It's kind of jacked and muscular and mean-looking. But once people get to know you, you're a pretty nice guy. <laughs> And what we have there was, uh, was Dennis. She's kind of got those demon eyes, so if she's walking alone, everybody kind of leaves her be. So it's a perfect little dog for us. Yeah, and, and then on top of that, you guys also moved recently down to Tampa, Florida, which which we don't really need to get too much into. Obviously, moving's a big deal. But, you know, you're down there now, which works out great because that is where the contest is this weekend. Once again, it's the DraftKings Big Game Snackdown presented by the Major League Eating and it's scheduled for 4.30 on, on this Sunday. Um, and James, you want to take us through what will be featured in this smorgasbord of food? I'll do my best, and then I'll have Nick correct me after I, uh, you, know, bu- you know, buffer it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, the snack down is supposed to be an eight-minute contest, all-you-can-eat event set up um, in a steeple chase format. So that was a new term that I – and if you – can correct me there, Nick, here. Um, but, you know, it's got Nick competing, Joey Chestnut, Jeffrey Esper, Darren Breeden, a number of people that you um, would notice from, from other major league eating competitions. And then Michelle Lesko, who was, I think, the number two female uh, behind Mickey but didn't compete in the hot dog contest due to some of the COVID restrictions and whatnot. Um, so it will be good to see her back in action. But So it's an eight-minute contest featuring – uh, what they describe as eight different football-watching classics, pepperoni pizza, boneless wings, chili, uh, sub-sandwich, cheese balls, pigs in a blanket, jalapeno poppers, and then an eight-layer dip. Uh, I'm, I hope I'm reading that correctly, Nick. So uh, <laughs> if I made any mistakes there, I think that it should just be a one heck of an eight-minute eight minute showdown. Yeah. So, so, Nick, how much food is like – is there like eight pounds of food in that in that um, spark, or is it – we haven't gotten quite exact, but we've gotten give or take measurements so far into what we're going to get. Um, never really get the same amount, but you have to eat them in a consecutive order as well. So it's not like you, some people have different strengths and, and weaknesses, so to speak. But um, I know we're going to be starting with the pizza, and I believe the chili is next. Uh, and then I'll, I'll get the I'll get them all out of order now. We finished with the jalapeno poppers, but I believe it's um, it's right around I think when I guessed made right around ten pounds of food maybe 12, um, because it's kind of hard to gauge like with the sub and stuff like that. But I know yeah. it's a quarter gallon, I believe, of uh, chili and a quarter gallon of eight-layer dip alone, so there's four pounds off the top. But uh, eight minutes is going to be pretty quick, especially because it's not with eight different foods, it's not like you can get into an awesome rhythm, kind of getting the food down. It's by the time you get into a rhythm, you're done with one, you got to move on to the next one. And I think what you'll see is um, kind of some shifting – momentum between people like uh, somebody like a Jeff Esper is known for just inhaling pizza. It almost doesn't make sense when you watch him eat pizza where it goes. Like, it sounds like <laughs> dollar painting. Um, but then you see like somebody like a Joey Chestnut traditionally has just dominated chili contests. Um, Darren Green also done very well there. And there's like Gideon OG who does well and a lot of times foods that are extremely difficult to eat like corn or kale or bologna. Um, so you never know. And then like Lesko has been kicking ass for years you know, on the circuit and kind of surprising people. So it'll be a really interesting format, um, an interesting contest. Uh, eight minutes goes by like that, too, when you're trying to get 10 pounds of food down, believe it or not. <laughs> so, so what's the key to success for you? You know, what oh, God. are you going to uh, you know, get on the podium? For me, keeping my cool and blocking everything out. Um, 
you know, actually, I was speaking with somebody else about this, and I said, you know, one of the things that made me not a very good pitcher in high school, other than complete lack of talent, was um, I didn't really have a, a great demeanor. And if I didn't get a call or a couple things didn't go my way, like a, like a Texas leaguer dropped in, so to speak, or if my third baseman made an error, um, the, the game was more or less over for me. I didn't do well against little bits of adversity that I didn't feel were directly my fault. So um, in a contest, I just need to stay focused and stay calm. As crazy as that is, it's almost like controlled chaos when all that's going on up there. And, um, you know, just try to ultimately get everything down as fast as possible. Probably make up time in some of the harder-to-eat foods because I'm not disillusioned to think I'm going to go faster than Jeff Esper and pizza or faster than Joey Chestnut and chili. So maybe the foods like cheese balls or um, less traditional foods like the, um, like the sub, I can make up a little bit of time. I like that attitude. It sounds like, I mean, I, I know as a follower of yours on social media, you're in pretty good shape. Not that you weren't last time we spoke to you, but, you know, I think you've been training well for an event like this and knowing your strengths is exactly part of that. So like you just said, pick your battles and make up time where you can. Um, so I know for you guys, there's a definitely a money incentive, obviously for first, second, third, et cetera. Uh, but also to our listeners out there, obviously you should be tuning in at 4.30 Eastern either on Twitch or YouTube, but you can play a free pool on DraftKings. And I got a little sneak peek at some of the questions that they're asking. They're basically asking you to pick first, second, third, uh, who will finish pepperoni pizza first, et cetera. So you can have a little bit of fun doing that if you're one of our listeners, uh, you know, free to play on DraftKings. You can't beat something like that, you know, a little bit of entertainment that, you know, we didn't see last year. This is the first time the event's going down and definitely something that, you know, People, people will be eating during the Super Bowl. You know, you hear all of these facts about how much food is consumed by Americans on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but you can start a little bit earlier this year watching an event like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's um, uh, it's a free to play, and I think it's up to a hundred thousand dollar purse for people playing at home on the uh, on the DraftKings you know platform. And it's through DraftKings Sportsbook, their app, um, and it'll be live on the DraftKings Twitch and YouTube streams. Um, but it's a lot of fun to be able to do that. And I think it not being, or, you know, it's not a traditional contest that, that we would have. But um, everybody saw uh, for the Candy Bowl, for those who didn't see it, Joey Chestnut played six of the six competitors in the Halloween Candy Bowl in this format of contest. And now, I'm not, all oh, again, I'm a disillusioned to think Joey's going to play six again because I also know he's pissed about placing six. You <laughs> um, just poked the bear. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, but that being said, with this style of contest, with six of the best eaters in the world, it's like Usain Bolt will get last in a sprint if he trips. Yeah. And that's where we're at here. Um, if you falter in a contest that goes by this fast, you will be in the bottom two. Uh, and that's what happens. So that's what makes these a lot of fun, you know, for people to play at home and um, and try to win some money and just – it's it's really interesting to see something that happens again. It's over the course of eight minutes, but I, for us up there, it happens so fast. There are contests that seem like a marathon. When halfway through, I hear Sam Barkley go five minutes. I'm like, dude, five more minutes? You're kidding me! <laughs> but this is a style of contest when I know I'll hear Barkley say, you know, like three minutes remaining or two minutes remaining, um, and you just have to. <laughs> Hear it without hearing it. You just move on and continue doing what you're doing and not go into full-blown panic mode. Um, it'll go by very, very quick, and it should be a lot of fun to see you can pull it out. So so do you think – I heard. well, first I heard Joey at, choked up on a Kit Kat or something in the Halloween contest. Is that true? 
Yeah, no, 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 that was legit. <laughs> legit. That's that's. It's really tough when you're eating. You know, none of us have really done candy before. We've done peas, yeah. Twinkies, moon pies, things like that. But chocolate bars and things are. Um, the candy corns were rough for me. Number one, candy corns are right up there with circus peanuts on things that should not be a food. Uh, and two, <laughs> to eat them quickly, and they had kind of like stuck together, so they became they looked like an everlasting gobstopper with just stuff facing every direction. Um, it's a uh, that was really tough, and I where I made up ground is kind of like uh, M and M's. Uh, because for me, it was like taking all my bodybuilding pills back in the day. Just throw 50 of them in your mouth and swallow them down. <laughs> um, yeah, Joey had some trouble with the Kit Kats, and that's what it was. That's all it took is for him to kind of slide down into sixth place. Um, you know, Mickey and I had a little issue with the um, – our slowest was probably the, the candy corns. Um, you know, I think if you take that out of there and candy corns are placed towards the back – I put her right up there with Stoney, probably, you know, ahead of the pack. But uh, And then, like, Jeff Esper is a kick-ass eater, but he had trouble with them. So uh, this is another one of those contests where some people are really efficient just doing one thing. So that transition back and forth makes it a little bit more wide open. A question I have for you is, I know when we were talking hot dogs, um, you, you mentioned the great value tropical pineapple mango as your uh, go-to dip. Uh, are we sticking with that for this event? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, that's it's sitting in there. They now make a double size, and you say okay. You save twelve cents when you get the double size. Huge two anyway, generally for a contest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll stick with that at this point. If I was going to switch, um, as crazy as this sounds, I would be switching at this point in the year, um, trying some things in practice to see like, can I tolerate this? flavor for 10 minutes or can i tolerate this um when i have 17 pounds of fries cheese curds and gravy in my stomach is this is this flavor still okay so it's kind of um like a player generally speaking wouldn't change their bat during the season right crazy superstitious and they were just hitting below the mendoza line then they might do it but otherwise, it's going to be like that's going to be something you do in the off season and kind kind of play with the hole you're swinging. And for us, that's that's our bat. That's our swing. You know, strawberry orange man, the crystal light. That's always stock because she just digs it. That's her deal. Um, you know, great value for me. And then, um, and if it's a sweets contest, occasionally like just uh, decaf coffee crystals. Gotcha. Now I remember I tried that uh, the tri- tropical pineapple mango uh, when I attempted to do my own little hot dog eating in solidarity with you guys. Put it out there for our, our viewers. I, I don't think anyone enjoyed watching me do that. Uh, but I actually admitted it wasn't that bad. Like for me, like it, it made it. You like you said, drink the bun and whatnot. Uh, so I'll probably do some. I'll do it in solidarity again with some, maybe one of those eight foods. You know, I wouldn't expect myself to go through all that, but I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> I would say don't do chili uh, if I recommend, or the eight-layer dip. Those would be slightly more unpleasant. Um, maybe. Probably the boneless wings would be easy to do, and those would taste pretty good. Or, like, uh, maybe don't do the cheese balls either. Those can be rough on the face. So, okay. Uh, you know, probably the, <laughs> I would say the, the boneless wings, the poppers, um, or the pizza, those would probably be, you know, one of the ways to I mean, but obviously it's personal preference. So. Got it. Noted. So, <laughs> so, so this eight-layer dip, um, they're letting fans – normally it's a seven-layer dip. They're letting fans do a survey for the eighth layer. Yeah. And I have the list of options here, so I'm going to write, read through them real quick, and I want you to tell me then what you are hoping for and what you are definitely not hoping for. <laughs> so, okay. so I got bacon, pepperoni, clams or oysters, pulled pork, 
uh, quinoa, shrimp, hummus, kale, blue cheese dressing, and then cream, cream, I don't even know how to pronounce that, cream fresh. Creme fresh, yeah. Creme fresh, and then uh, nugget. What do what you think? Nougat, nougat. What are we, what are we thinking here? I, I voted for pepperoni. I'll tell you right now. Uh, I mean, that's a fair vote. It kind of makes sense with like, the other layers and stuff, the acidity to throw in there. Um, I'd probably be hoping for one of two things, either like a bacon, because it kind of makes sense, like in the, in the whole gist of things, or a nougat, because it would completely throw people off, and I love nougats. Like Milky Way, but actually one of my favorite things. I feel like other competitors would be like, that's gross. I don't want to eat that. Um, so those would be the things I would hope for. As far as what I definitely would not want to see, uh, probably the blue cheese, because blue cheese uh, almost joins um, – what is it? Uh, the circus peanuts and the candy corns on should not be foods. I don't care if you're eating wings. If you're eating wings, you're eating ranch. Okay, this is not craziness. We we use ranch here. Um, yeah, I like that. Miki disagrees with me. She is a uh, a large blue cheese fan. But uh, <laughs> if you if you put a whole bunch of blue cheese on the top of that eight layer dip, oh man. I mean, I'll I'll deal with it because there's money on the line, but uh, I'm not gonna be happy about it. <laughs> All right, I like that. We'll uh, we'll see what the fans select for you. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say I was I was eating up your baseball reference here moments ago, but we do have to tie it back to football here at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so you'll be in you'll be in Tampa, um, and most people I would say eat during the game. Um, you'll be eating before, and then I guess you'll be in recovery mode of sorts. Do you have plans for the game after, or what is that going to look like for you? Um. You know, I was initially, if you asked me this question about 10 days ago, I'd probably be in a much better mood for my plans for the game because I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, okay. <laughs> on my balcony last Sunday. Okay. Um, or go straight to Matt LaFleur's house. But those were an option. So my plans for the game now will probably just be um, come home, hang out with Dennis, um, watch the game. <laughs> drink a whole bunch of water and nurse a very large bloat, but hopefully be nursing that very large bloat with the loving support of my pregnant girlfriend and maybe a really cool um, bedazzled football trophy and a big oversized ridiculous check. There we go. <laughs> That's speaking into existence. I like that. So I do take it, you know, as payback for Brady and the Bucks doing that to the pack. Uh, you're on the Chiefs? I, um, yeah, I, you know, this is, that's tough because everyone's like, can you bet against Tom Brady in, you know, January, February? And that's really hard to do. Like bet against Jeter in October, so to speak, is because he's proven it time and time again. And Tom Brady is not the guy he was. People can say what they want, but like, let's be realistic. Um, he played like a bag of garbage in the NFC championship, except for a handful of drives. Um, he was pressured three times, got sacked once and threw two picks. Yeah, um, Rogers played excellent and still skip Bayless isn't sold because he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, Brady does what he does do is he oozes confidence into fifty-five other guys. He makes a Rob Gronkowski who's twenty-five pounds lighter than he was in the Patriots and five steps slower still think he's Gronk, so to speak. And he makes that defensive mm -hmm. line, which is absurd, or that offensive line, which is still very, very good, play a almost above their ability level, or at least the best of their ability, because they're confident that the slowest human being on the planet, wearing number 12, will step out there and use every ounce of his ability to go out there and get a W. 
With that said, I think the Chiefs' defense will do a much better job getting pressure on Brady than the Packers' defense did. I think Mike Pettin, if they wanted to resign him, should have been fired alone just based off his um, what he did with Kevin King in that game and um, not getting pressure on Tom Brady at all, really. Um, but I think the Chiefs' defense will get some pressure on Brady. Brady, reasonably, you know, or rightfully so at this point, doesn't want to take a shot in the mouth. You know, he's, he's taking too many. So he, he gets a little bit more happy feet than he used to 12 years ago when he, used, he would step straight into a hit. So I think if they can do that, it's still going to be a shootout, but I'll take the Chiefs like 38-31. 30-31. I like that. It's a good prediction. That was, that was good enough analysis that you could take our jobs here in terms of uh, sport, in terms of the sports analysis. So uh, hat tip to you there. Uh, no, and as Browns fans, I think we can agree with you in the Mike Patton. Uh, yeah, we don't necessarily uh, define him uh, all that well. So, uh, no, and it's tough for us, you know, having, having lost to the Chiefs as Browns fans as well. But I think there's a moment when you recognize that the future is here with regards to Mahomes and what he, what he can do. Uh, you know, he's just a wizard. Yeah, he's absurdly good. Um, they protect him well. And for being such a young guy, when the Chiefs go down by, you know, one, two, or even three scores, there's no panic. Like, yeah. Andy Reid in his big walrus face just calms the cucumber <laughs> under that mustache. Um, and he's passed it on to Patrick Mahomes. just got, like, complete – Mahomes is very much, I think um, – Brady-esque without being Brady, where there's there's zero panic regardless of the situation of the game. So he's like, oh, we're down 17 going into half. That's fine. It's okay. We're going to score 21 in 47 seconds when we come out. They make really good adjustments. Um, so the coaching matchup is, is going to be really fun to see, too. I think the Chiefs yeah. are going to have advantage in the coaching matchup. Um, I think uh, – I am not a huge Bruce Arians fan, personally. Um, he's done a good job, but I, I think he's, he's working a lot. There, he's working with an excellent coordinator crew, and uh, I think um, I think the Chiefs will just that the youth I think will help ultimately at the end, just a little bit at the end of the game. Um, and I think maybe Brady, as much as it's like, oh no, there's there's no way that's going to happen. <sighs> Father time wins, <laughs> you know. Like eventually it does. I don't know if this is the year. It might be 15 years from now. Yeah, we'll still be saying that. <laughs> Well, yeah, Nick, that's, I mean, it's great analysis. We're, we're looking forward to watching you on Sunday um, in your event before the game. Um, is there anything else that you want to bring up about this weekend or just looking forward, what other events do you have coming up in late February, March? Anything Anything we should keep our eyes on? So, I mean, it's tough, you know, right now because I think everything's kind of in flux, you know. With the, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things you hear like, okay, this is a possibility, but you know, like this event was supposed to take place in Vegas. Um, but, you know, with, with travel restrictions and what have you, I was just taking place in Tampa, which worked out awesome for us. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, just keep an eye out on the Major League Eating website. Keep an eye out on uh, thehungrycouple.com. Keep up with us there. You can keep up with our pregnancy journey there, which will be a lot of fun. We will actually be probably dropping a, uh, a gender reveal video soon. I was fortunate enough to come home from the gym about a week and a half ago to a table full of gigantic whoopie pies um, that she had filled just the center with either pink or blue uh, or just some faulty ones that were white all the way through. So I got to eat like the equivalent of like four boxes of cake mix and three tubs of frosting worth of whoopie pies instead of just looking at an ultrasound. Um, but that's how we do things around here. So keep your eyes on that. Yeah. 
but yeah, check out thehungrycouple.com. You can see all their uh, updates there. I appreciate you guys, you know, having us on and um, appreciate the support. Whether that's for, you know, the eating thing or even the pregnancy thing. You know, you guys reach out and I, I, I really appreciate that because uh, we're psyched to be going about this. We're psyched for you, man. I mean, you, you guys got to create the next legend in the, the MLE. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I always said, like, there's going to be two. This kid can, can do anything here. Yeah, let up. I agree. Yeah, it's going to be like, you could be, you could be anything. An astronaut, or you could be a construction worker, or you can be, you know, a dog trainer. You will not bodybuild or eat. You will not bodybuild. You can do anything else you want. James, you got anything? No, I think that, absolutely, no. Like we said, we're happy for you, happy to have you back on, and we'll be pulling for you this weekend and always, uh, per usual. So thanks again, Nick, for joining us, and uh, best of luck. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Yep, we'll see you, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Nick, for coming on. Always a pleasure to have uh, him with us. Uh, but we were talking Super Bowl there at the end, and I think it's best to just keep the ball rolling as we welcome on uh, back for appearance number two, Tampa Bay Buccaneers super fan, Brandon Lurch. Uh, and, Brandon, I'd say take it easy on me, uh, but you don't have to. I, I didn't take it easy on you your first time around back in March, and uh, uh, Tom Brady and the boys have proved me wrong uh, all throughout the year. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um like I told you guys, I do have some receipts. Um, little side note, I have a great receipt for Frank that's actually going to make him look really smart. I'll wait to bring it up. And I don't even know if you remember saying this, but you have a prediction about Deshaun Watson that might be true. That you just kind okay. of started well, Should we go right into these receipts? Should we just let you drink? I was going to say, I mean, let's just get a little bit of an emotional vibe from here. Brandon, okay. let's let's take you through this. We we had you back on in March, of course. At this point, uh, I think I was saying, you know, Buccaneers had a nice uh, piece in Tom Brady that's a little bit, you know, wasn't a game changer and whatnot. But what he did in the second half of the regular season, uh, I know there was probably a point for you at which you, I mean, you were bought in from the beginning. But is there a point in the regular season where he flipped the switch and you go, wait, they still have this legitimate possibility because they were sitting there, I, I think, at a point where they seven and five or something it was never yeah. it was seven and five and then they go on the run that they did finish 10 and six or, or was it 11 and, i regardless is okay 11 and five thank you so they win their last four uh, is there a point where you got worried or is there a point where you really oh, bought in so they the weird thing was their bye week was week 13 like the latest you can have it and i actually think I think in like non-COVID year, you can only have it in week 12 as latest, but I'm not sure about that. So you're right. They were, they lost three of four. The last one was to Kansas City right before the bye week. And like that game looked close, but I think Tyreek Hill had 800 yards in the first quarter. Like, <laughs> like, it was like 27-10 in the third. He had like 50 fantasy points for me in the first quarter. And I was like, what is yeah. going on? Yeah. So we lost to them. We lost to the Rams. And he and lost the Saints twice, right? And the Saints, the 38th, the, the, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. So those three were in those four, and I was ready for the bye. And that's like the whole time through, before that, I was like, you know, I think we just got to get there. And then maybe, you know, maybe Tom does his magic. And like I've seen it so many times in New England. 
after on that bye week, I was solely committed that we were going to the play wild card, losing first round unless we played the NFC East, which we did get that. But yeah, that worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, my confidence during that. And then, like you said, we won our last four. But, like, dude, we beat the Falcons twice, the Lions, and I forget who the other one was. But we won four straight, and they were not good teams. Probably the Panthers somewhere in there. Um, You're right. No, I think you are right. Yeah, but so now you got, you know, obviously a great start to the playoffs, beating – beating Washington, then taking out Drew Brees, then taking out Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Tom Brady is just joins the NFC and just says, it's still, it's still my league. So, so I mean, in the Super Bowl now, but is it still his league? Cause now he's got to go up against Pat Mahomes. But before we kind of get into the props and everything, like what, what are the slips that we had from, from our last episode that you want to expose? Right. So I did two of each. This, my first one's my favorite by Frank, my favorite. He Good said, game. I'll 12, take Jameis. <laughs> it's a Jameis quote. So he said it was 1230 of the podcast. It's just me. I think I'd rather have Jameis over a 43-year-old Tom Brady, who in my opinion is regressing. Regressing part, you can argue. Jameis Winston wasn't even a starter, and this is the exact same team. My Okay, you want to talk Antonio Brown. He hasn't done anything. That he, We couldn't even win eight games. Second quote, another Frank one. <laughs> this is a funny one. Can, and you just kind of spurred this out. Can Jack, can check down Tom throw the deep ball even more or any more, though? I know wow. the Patriots can. Wow, <laughs> I agree. I mean, check down Tom just totally, totally blew me out of the water this year. Was he the yeah, best downfield for, passer, right, for touchdowns? I, he was actually sl- – he threw – he it wasn't accurate all the time, but he, had, he was slinging it. James, let's let me let, hold on. Let me let me have my co-host for one moment to the okay. extent of Jameis Winston got to throw one pass against the the Bucks this season uh, in that playoff game. Perfect play, perfect playoff pass rating out of Winston this year, one fifty eight point three. I will I will tell you that <laughs> I didn't put this in the quotes. You could argue in that last game, Jameis should would have helped them for the Saints against but the Packers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Drew Brees Brees checked down Drew now, man. He couldn't throw the ball. I didn't write this in our old podcast. I asked James specifically, why are we not discussing Drew Brees and the way he tailed off the end of the season like Tom? He said, nah, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah, Yeah, he lost a lot of money thinking Drew Brees was fine. (laughs) I had a a lot of alcohol on me at that point too. It was a blind, <laughs> blind throw, pure emotion. Don't bet on pure emotion. It was I had a idea. pure emotion throw last week. I I had no faith, but anyways, um, okay. So yeah, James, James right here, take this is this is a good one, James. Take Brady away from the Pats, and I don't think they lose a ton. Put him on the Bucks, and they might gain one or two wins. <laughs> the Pats Fair. were horrendous. The worst passing offense in the NFL. Yep, they were bad. Cam Newton was not the comeback player of the year. I was hoping he would be. Uh, to, and again, I will hold my own hold or hold my own back up here a little bit. This was before all the Patriots opt outs on the defensive side of the ball. But that yeah. being said, it was clear that the drop off from Brady to insert, you know, even Stidham a little bit, he played along with Cam Newton. It was a you know day and night. I I, I was wrong there. He got. I think you, your your fandom for Cam kind of showed a little too. 
Yeah, that for sure. We didn't even know about Cam then, though. But oh, yeah, yeah. right. All right, so Frank, I want to give you some love here. You said I, you kind of just glossed over this joking. And this was after James just said that. You go, I don't know. I think the Pats tank and go and get Deshaun Watson. Well, that kind of looks realistic. I mean, I've been saying that he. I, well, I was trying to say that. Belichick's wanted a running quarterback, so he went and got Cam Newton actually, which, which yeah. proved that. But I would not be surprised at all if they if they sell the entire team basically to get uh, Deshaun Watson in New England. It sounds like he needs out, but I it was funny. Yeah. I was I was listening today and I was listening for like the different quotes, and then I heard that, and I was like, wow, I might need to give Frank a little props. After <laughs> all right. I give him all right. What's, what's what, you got anything else on Zash? I'm good on James. Or is that it? I mean, he said like five right. different times. They're not a contender for a Super Bowl, but a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Chiefs are minus three and a half right now across most books. The over/under set at fifty-six. What What are the three keys to the Buccaneers not only covering but winning this Super Bowl, bringing it home to Tampa? Well, are they already in Tampa? Uh, I'd say the keys. I wrote these down again. Let me preface this: I'm not that confident, but. Uh, first thing I wrote, the defensive line needs to be the best unit on the field by far and away. Because even if our secondary can, and I wrote next to it, secondary limit explosive plays. And this all shapes up in. And play drives and hope. And it's just like math, right? You hold them. Do you make them go 15 plays? They might get a holding call. We might get a sack. Our defensive line with Shaq and JPP is really good. So my first one was defensive line, best unit on the field. I wrote four plus sacks, hopefully, and how many QB pressures. That went into, you know, hold 15 play drives. And actually one of these points will answer my next question when you ask about the over-under, but I think you got to hold them to field goals. I think both teams are going to kick a lot of field goals. I think the move, move, point two, dominate the time of possession. Do not sit back and play Arians where he's launching 30-yard passes. You don't want to get in a shootout. Run Lenny, play off Lenny all day long. 22 dive. Run it, run it, run it. And honestly, I think they can run the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs have a great defense. Here is the biggest key, and anybody in, that is a Bucks fan will agree. You have to win special teams. We are horrendous at punt and kick coverage. Horrendous. Did you watch this? The Saints game, they almost returned three. Yep. Um, we have a new kicker. He's been good. The past five years, we've been the worst field goal kicking team in the NFL, and Bucker, out of nowhere, has kind of struggled in the playoffs. He's so, been spotty. I, I can almost guarantee there's going to be a missed short field goal be us so those are my keys i like it i like it i think those are big keys i think tom obviously has to play well and that defense obviously is going to have to limit mahomes though even if tom plays well it's going to rely on that defense getting stops so makes a lot of sense and and are you are you relying on this defense to getting stops are you thinking that we have the under with the field goals over under at 56 you're going with the under under have you ever look at the past all of tom's super bowls I think a good, another good bet is the Chiefs to be what are they in the whatever they are in the first quarter. I would take that. Um, there, Tampa's gonna hey Tampa starts slow in every game. You know, like they, they do some stupid stuff on third and short where they try to throw a twenty-five yard down the field pass. It worked against Green Bay. 
I think you're going to get a lot of moving up and down the field. And I, I, I didn't look this up, but when the Browns were playing the Chiefs, everybody was talking about how bad the Chiefs' red zone offense was, like ranked 20th in the NFL. So there is some substance there. Um, I don't like. I know I don't think Mahomes is going to give up the ball too much on interceptions. I hope that God Brady doesn't do what he did in the second half last week or two weeks ago. But I think under. Because I think there's going to be long drives. I know Tampa's going to be doing long drives. Like with Tampa scoring in 27 points, I'm, I, we need at least two of those possessions to be eight minute drives. So, okay, all right. Let's let's move into the prop realm, and we'll start off, James. Let's let's look at the national anthem. What's going on there? What are the fun all props? Right. Yep, we've got Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church doing a kind of a duo performance. National anthem over under time is set at 120 and a half seconds. For those of you, the the math on that two minutes and, and half a second. So whether is it going to be over under? Uh, you know, if it's two minutes or under, uh, that's heavily juiced. People do think that under uh, is is the play, but I like the plus value on that over. You know, For sure. that I think that they might not be on the same rhythm the whole time. You know, you might see a little blow up. The odds of that. Eric Wait, Church had previously it. said he was never going to do it. Go ahead. Can they duo it though, where one's doing one line, then the other does the other line? That's an easy over. Yeah, they're gonna be slow. They're gonna transition. Transitions. I like the over. I mean, I like the plus value on it for sure. Definitely not gonna they take say it, it under juice. Maybe you got artists. Maybe when they do their long echoes at the end, maybe they're out trying to outdo each other. Yeah, just who's got the last note? <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. I, I read that uh, Eric Church had never heard of Jasmine Sullivan before getting the input to do the duet. Uh, but then, then also said he was floored voice. So I, I, I really do think they're going to be in awe of one another. Take that over with the plus value. Uh, that's going to be one of my more confident plays of the day. Um, so that's but, before the game. After the game, we get the Gatorade, Gatorade shower. Yeah, last year, Chiefs win it, and it was orange. Uh, orange hit. It, it was much bigger plus value. This year, it's at plus 125, the favored color. I kind of like yellow, lime, green at plus four fifty, just because you get three different colors there. It's uh, I think Wait, like third or fourth. Yellow, lime, green. Yeah, so anything it's... like any of those three. Huh. So anything like resembling, you know, a, a bright yellow-ish type deal. Gatorade. Yeah. I gotta think. I, think the, I gotta think everybody's gonna be on red. Red's plus three. Red's the second. Yeah, it's the second favorite. Because the, what's the color of Florida? We need to think about that. What's their state color? They got one. Above my, above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, all right. How about – those are some good props. I, I like the yellow lime green as well, Zash. What about props within the game? Lurch, we'll, we'll start with you. Anything you like? Okay, I got one I love. It's hor- so hard to find. So they do like team versus team, like let's say passing yard props. You can get Tampa Bay a plus 10.5 total rushing yards against the Chiefs minus 110. Love I like that. that. I like that a lot. Wow. Plus 10 and a half rushing yards. Yep. Playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny. I mean, it depends who's playing from behind, and it depends if there's like one big that's, run, too. That's you know? the problem. If the Chiefs get Those out are... early, then we might be slinging it all night. So that that is the problem. Honestly, maybe Tampa, Tampa Bay wins the kickoff. They go down and score. They use a lot of clock and they run the ball. That's that's the thinking. And then by, to back that, opening kickoff touchdown, touchback, yes. You got to pay a little juice, minus 165. But 
these I, I Tampa Bay, if they're kicking, they I think they're number one or number two in touchback for for kickoffs. Okay, yeah. James, any any prop you want want to share um, with the listeners? Yeah. I want to take Tom Brady to throw an interception. Uh, I've already been slaughtered on this hill, and I might as well just get the stake driven through me at this point. I did take it against the Packers, uh, and, you know, he, he paid off early in that one with the pick, and then, uh, you know, obviously there ended up being three of them. I, you know, minus 150, I'm willing to do that. I just, like, you know, these last couple of games, obviously the Buccaneers' defense, I think, has been the thing that's been the shining light against the Saints. They set, up, they set Brady up with a short field a number of times and whatnot. I think if, if the Chiefs do get up early, it'll be Brady having to throw the ball a good amount. And it, I agree with you, Brandon. Chiefs defense isn't, you know, top tier, cream of the crop, anything like that. But they're secondary. They have athletes back there. And to that extent, I think if Brady tries to throw it up, you know, to, to a Mike Evans or anything like that, you know, Math, Tyron Matthew will not be too far away. Uh, so I do like him to throw an interception. You're right, though. Brady has to a like I, I don't remember him doing this in New England. When he's getting hurried, he he he's a great at throwing away. He's almost got a blind faith to just throw these 50-50 balls to Evans. The one was an interception. If he's getting hurried, he's like, I'm not throwing this out. I'm just throwing it out. I mean, it makes sense size-wise how big Evans is compared to any DB. So I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. No, I, I I think it speaks to the trust that he has in the playmakers because the athletes he has here are a ton better than he had in New England. Like that's right. been shown like Which time and time again. A lot, a lot last podcast, but whatever. Yeah, uh, right. Um, you, hey, Lurch, random question for you: Do you know if Tampa normally defers if they win the coin toss? Yes, but they, they did it against the Chiefs. Oh, really? Okay, it's interesting. The they took the ball against the Chiefs. I got one for you that's pretty juicy as well, but I think it's – we call it a lock here. Great over two and a half receptions, minus 140. Oh, man, dude, I've been all over Cameron Brake catches the past few weeks. I mean, he's had four, four, and three the past past all playoff games, so. He loves him. He, he loves him. Right over the middle. See Brake. Yeah, he's better. He's definitely better than Gronk at receiving. He, he's more athletic. Gronk's a good blocker, but, yeah, he's way more athletic. I like. I'll give you guys my my quick props. I have the Buccaneers third quarter over six points, um, which I like knowing that they normally defer, but I think they they get a touchdown in the third quarter. They're gonna be playing from behind. My my thoughts. I like no score first five and a half minutes of the game minus one twenty. That's always like a fun one to keep you on your feet. You really need one stop, I think. There, I know you're putting your thumb down. No, there, I'm saying so you like the under. That leads well, I don't know if I like the under. I, I think I might take the over. That's kind of like a hedge for my over bet. You know? okay. All right. All right. And then I'm also against you. I'm going to take the under three and a half field goals. Um, I just think both these teams want to score touchdowns. I think Tampa, if they're on the goal line, they're going to know that they need to score to win this game. I don't know if they settle for a field goal if it's inside the five-yard line. Um, Arians is, you know, this is the last game. Arians is not going to hold anything back. So I like under three and a half field goals. And you can hedge that a little bit. By taking exactly four field goals at plus two seventy five, if you're crazy like you. Oh, here's where I'm going to back you up on your case. Who would you not want to bet against to, or who would you want to bet on to not kick field goals? Andy Reid and uh, Bruce Arians. Like those were exactly. So that kind of yeah. makes it sound a little dumb. The only reason I said the field goals was it is back and forth. Like if they both kick field goals right away, then maybe we're in that little we're gonna this is gonna be a grinded out game for the whole time. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I'll cut off with a couple that I also like. Uh, I am pro bucks on a couple of props, believe it or not. I'm not completely, uh, you know, fading them all the way. I think Scotty Miller over one and a half receptions is like, that's plus value. He's a guy that he could get one quick one early, and then you might not see him for a little while, and then sneaks in for number two at some point. Is I think Antonio the Brown are... back? I was about to say, he, he didn't practice today, so if yeah. he doesn't play, that's a lock. Because they yeah, throw, I, he's going to get two screen passes. That's for sure. Yep, and he catches some of those deep balls when you least expect him to. Like you know that they're going to be shadowing the major threats in Godwin and Evans, and Miller's kind of that guy that can slip in the slot sometimes and be effective. Um, and then I, I think Gronks was set at two and a half. He only had one uh, in the conference championship. Uh, so I almost think if you are big on Brait, go under on Gronk. But uh, that's not one that I'm big confident in, just because Brady has that ground connection. I, I don't know. Say, I speak to that one. To start the first start of Super Bowl, I feel like he might go right to Gronk. Like, like three in a row. Like, honestly, yeah. three in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be <laughs> funny if he did that. All the, all the Brady lovers are going to be pissed. Yeah. Right. Well, talking tight ends, Travis Kelsey just shines the brightest under the big lights. I swear defenses can do whatever they want to take him away, and he'll still find a way to find the spot and sit down. I think his receptions were like seven and a half and it, the over was heavily juiced. And I don't like that that much, but what I do like is his longest reception to be over 23 and a half yards. Cause I swear that man like is the definition of rumbling, stumbling, and he just falls forward every single time. So I could see him just catching one at, for 18 yards and getting that extra five, six after, after bringing it home. Yeah. The yak is half that, right? Like the, yeah, his yak's great. Fantastic. He just he's that good. I don't know. Dude, he he'll like run across the middle of the field, sit down, and he's like boxing out a defender, and the guy's just sitting on his back. Mahomes puts it right. I see that so <laughs> Yep. All right. I think that's enough props. Zach, you I have another bet that I Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. Um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're good. Sorry um, about that. No, so Brandon, I think uh since I've been so anti Buccaneers all year, I've been wrong and whatnot. I do want to lay my life on the line one more time. Uh, my roommate, actually, uh, Andrew Dalton, is a you know he's a Patriots fan, long, lifelong Patriots guy. Uh, likes Tom Brady as a result. He's got a Tom Brady shirt. So if the Buccaneers win, I will uh, ask him to borrow the shirt. Um, and not only will I just wear it, post a picture from the pod account, uh, but I will also go to Tom Brady's website and buy some of whatever his fucking nutrition bullshit is. And uh, make myself a little, uh, you know, TV 12 something shake. or other shake. I, you know, we can work out details if that can happen. I'm not too worried about it. Um, my money's going to be on the Chiefs, so that'll just be another little added sunk cost if that comes up. I don't know what you're willing to wager on yourself. Like you said, you're not that confident. And obviously, I mean, the Chiefs are favorites. Let's but... get it twisted. I already bet on Tampa money line and spread. So we've okay, been doing man. that. We've been doing that all playoffs. Like. I did. I wasn't. I. I. All right. Real quick. I was super confident against the Saints. I truly was. Like I. Kept, I did not think they were that great. Packers. I had no faith in. None whatsoever until, I don't know, the Scotty Miller touchdown on the half. And I was like, wow, we really might do this. So I'm hoping maybe my non-comments goes in. But I already wagered. So, let me think. What can I do if the Chiefs win? See, I. We can. We can take it offline too. It doesn't have to be okay. spot on. We, we can we can catch up a little bit later this week and get the word out to the people that what's on the line. I, you know, no reason to force that. That was something that just popped into my head because it's 
you know, easy enough because and would like, be humiliating, humiliating for me. Yeah, if I did something like, like just like a, because your favorite team is the Browns, obviously one. I like the Browns, so that really wouldn't affect me. Now, if we do like something with the Panthers, now maybe I'm like, like maybe you donate to Drew Brees's like charity or something. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I hate no. him. Zajos guy, yeah, Zajos guy. So maybe that yeah. makes sense. Out of respect for his retirement, Tom Brady might be playing until he's past forty-five. I'm reading now too, I so I, this is not the last I've heard of him, unfortunately. I just read that, yeah. <laughs> oh man! So, so before we let you go, Lurch, we're all going to do this, and we'll start with me, and then we'll go to Zaj, and then we'll go to you. We're going to do score predictions, final score predictions. I'm going to go 34-30 Chiefs. Picking pretty close to the spread there, Frank. Huh? Good stuff. Um, That's a Chiefs I, cover. <laughs> it is. A, it is. Yeah, it's three, three and a half. All right, uh, I will go ahead and. You know, we can we can post this will be another receipt for you, Brandon, if you want. But I'm going forty one twenty seven Chiefs. Minus ten and a half alt line, I'll be all over it. I'm eating this up. Twenty seven twenty three bucks. Fifty. I like it. I like it, guys. All right. Murphy Bunting gets an interception. I like that secondary. They've been playing pretty well. Great rookie in the safety. Um Redfield. Yeah, he's a stud. Uh, Lurch, we'll let you go, though, man. We really appreciate you coming on again. Best of luck cheering. Where are you going to be watching? Uh, so your- I was going to be at my house, but now there's a chance I'm going to be at one of my work buddies' house because he's doing a Super Bowl party. We'll see how that goes. Um, I want, real quick, over under seven and a half angry tweets for me mid-game. I'm going to go hammer the over. What a, what's the what's the drink of choice? Who set that line at seven and a half? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I yeah, I will take the over as well. I I know to avoid you on Twitter at those times. I I so avoided my interactions as much as I could, even in the downslope when they were you know seven and five and had, oh, had gone through that streak. I had Matthews and Lambert all in me too. Getting another. <laughs> All right, Lurch, we appreciate you coming on as always, man. Hope you have a good one, and uh, go Chiefs. Appreciate it. Go Bucks. (laughs) As always, we'd like to thank every guest on here, even Brandon Lurch, as he rubs my face in my wrong prediction of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Going to be an exciting game this weekend. Uh, But We've seen quite a few games being played in the stock market as of late, Frank. Uh, Some people have called it the uh, gamification or – almost you know, treating it like a casino, uh, the stock market. And that's not been taken well by many of the suits, if you will, on Wall Street. Uh, but meanwhile, retail investors <laughs> kind of wreaked havoc on the market uh, with their beliefs and buying strategies to inflate and deflate certain asset prices, uh, namely GameStop, Nokia, and uh, AMC. So I know you kind of want to take us through uh, I, I'm sure you, you've seen it all over CNBC. You've seen it all over Twitter lately. Uh, but the, the meme stock takeover has really been something to follow uh, these last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, Elon Musk says it best when he tweeted, uh, "He who controls the memes controls the universe." Um, so, so it's it's really just the memes can get out of control real quick. But but the GameStop story is it is really interesting, and it's it's not it's not necessarily like I still think like the market is somewhat efficient. There's so many things that went on with this, but how it started was on Reddit, there's this Wall Street Bets forum and this guy by the name of Deep Fucking Value um, 
was posting about his GameStop leaps, which are basically long, outdated call options on a stock. Um, so he was buying these leaps, thinking that GameStop, which was basically a dying brick and mortar retailer, um, you know, in a good industry in, in video games, but they just didn't have the e-commerce setup that other competitors had. And, you know, with COVID, all their stores shut down. So it was it was a business that most hedge funds, most people on Wall Street thought was due for bankruptcy. But if you, if you did the if you did the underlying work, um, you could see that they were still they still had a lot of cash position. They still had a lot of strong position. But these hedge funds piled on shorts, James. They, yep. The short interest was over a hundred percent of total shares. It was at one hundred and forty percent. So with that, there's not even all not even a hundred percent of shares can be traded because most of the shares are locked up in passive funds or just with GameStop's C-suite. So really, short interest was like five hundred percent of the float, which is the shares that can actually be traded. And what happens is as prices start going up, as, as you know, people start seeing that this business, you know, they, they are starting to do some e-commerce things. They were actually starting to get some traction with more revenue from different things as a, as a business. So they were kind of getting some life over the summer. Stock starts going up. People start on Reddit. This guy kept posting about his, his leaps, deep fucking value. And on Reddit, so... Long story short, it starts rising like crazy, and then it just spirals out of control with all of Wall Street bets getting involved, all of the mainstream media getting involved. Um, I mean, you had Elon, you had Shamath, you had all these people buying options, talking about GameStop, and it just led to this massive short squeeze where where all these other firms that were short had to, you know, had they had to buy stock to basically cover short positions. And as it keeps going up, you have to buy it at a higher price and you're just pushing the price up higher yourself then. So one hedge fund in, for, in particular, Melvin Capital, got absolutely destroyed. Um, they're the suits that really went down by rare. But also a bunch of retail in the end got destroyed. You know, GameStop's back under $100 after it traded up above 500 And a lot of that is retail bag hold. You know, I'm avoiding the stock for, for now on. I actually had a put option, James, that, that did work out. I made a little bit of money on it, but mm -hmm. I'm avoiding the stock uh, for at least a couple months, uh, and we'll see how it goes. I got to believe, though, that GameStop's going to post a huge quarter just from uh, all the press that you got to believe people are buying off their website this month. You would think so. And they did add a, a member to their board from Chewy.com who is pushing, you know, the e-commerce yeah. as well. So I think that was one of the underlying news stories that, did kind of facilitate and accelerate this process. But like you said, it was kind of the mass buying that everyone that followed that subreddit, r slash uh, Wall Street bets, uh, you know, I follow r slash stocks uh, and r slash. <laughs> so unfortunately, it may be for me, it's not the, uh, basically the point is the, the wave, the, stock got to the price that it did wasn't necessarily the fundamental value by any means you know people that would trade on technical or fundamental yeah. analysis uh they they had their socks blown off them essentially with this this ordeal um but like yeah. you said i think for the next couple of months there's going to be some corrections and efficiencies will take place uh that you know might have gotten out of whack during this time yeah, I mean, a lot of stocks don't really reflect the fundamentals underlying companies. I mean, that's that's just been the case. And it's it's because companies, you know, sometimes people predict more growth than you'll actually see. And so that's why we've had a lofty market recently and you'll have some downside volatility. But for the most part, you know, our government stimulus is going to 
re-strengthen here uh, as, as Biden's administration starts passing some more stimulus. Um, the Fed is still being really supportive, really keeping liquidity in the market. As, as we kind of saw um, this past week, it was really just a, a lot of liquidity in the market, you know, trading around different stocks, different names. And so I, I think the economy, especially with vaccines rolling out, it's still poised for a strong year in the U.S. And I think that will reflect in the markets throughout the year. But it's it's always a roller coaster ride. I mean, it's never, oops, sorry, it's, it's never uh, never a dull day, never a dull week in the market. So that's that's why we love following it and love talking about it. Well said. And I and I will also cap off with kind of this uh, Reddit post that Mark Cuban made himself, um, and he just talked about kind of the lessons he's learned when he first started trading uh, and how painful it can be, you know, about being right or wrong. Um, and he, he does call this kind of a moment in time when the game is changing. Like, you know, what retail investors did, it can be replicated uh, for certain other stocks. And I think this is kind of a warning to some of those funds about, you know, overloading short interest in, in certain companies. Like, it, you can't just optimize your value uh, d- predicting a death of a company prior to it actually going extinct. Yes, there's the Amazon, Walmart, et cetera where people can purchase their video games and whatnot, but GameStop, you know, wasn't officially dead just yet. Um, and I think, you know, funds like Melvin Capital ended up paying for it. Uh, but to go back to what Mark Cuban says, the hard part uh, about all this is to ask yourself if you believe in what it, what has changed about the company. You know, if you buy a company for a certain reason, um, is it something that you expect to hold on until other information comes in that maybe you weren't expecting? So what I mean by that, like for he example, he calls out Bitcoin holders like yourself. Uh, many would buy kind of at the highs, or many did buy near the highs of 2017, and it dipped by about two thirds or more uh, in the ensuing years. And look at where it is now. Those that held on and believed in the asset that they bought uh, were didn't sell off in those times of troubles. And it, I think retail investors can take uh, solace and take note of a situation like that. Uh, you know, when they are believing in a stock, you know, maybe down the road, GameStop's not not quite a Bitcoin per se. Uh, but but those uh, when you buy, if you believe it, when you buy it and hold on to it going forward, unless there's fundamental information that gets uh, driven in that you, you weren't expecting, that's probably when you look at selling or, or if it reaches kind of a goal price that you're ending uh, or aiming for and getting a return. Yeah, I think you put that well. Um, it is risky, obviously, still, even if you're trying to like believe in an asset, it, it might go to bankruptcy. You know, you might lose all your money. So, it, you know, the market is always risky and that's why there's there's big returns as well that can be made. Um, we can move on, though. Um, I, I would just everyone should check out, read up about deep fucking value. His real name is, uh, let's see, it's Gill. I think it's Gill something. Maybe I'm wrong. Keith Gill. His last name's Gill. He's a 34-year-old uh, financial educator for a Massachusetts insurance firm, and he turned his $50,000 initial investment to at one. It was worth over $48 million. I don't know how much he's cashed out, but hopefully he's out at least a little bit. But what a crazy trade by that guy buying out-of-call options in GameStop and, and it, it eventually playing out for him. But I would read about him and just, yeah, read up about it. It's, it's really fascinating what's going on in the market. Hopefully they don't do any regulation around retail i don't think retail here um and i I mean i think the problem was that they were shorting a stock that they were over shorting a stock that really shouldn't have been shorted that heavily and and they got hurt for it you don't want to make it short like that if you're going to short you sometimes short because you actually have the underlying shares you can already give 
some of these hedge funds weren't doing that. So that's that's why they get hit. That's why the suits got beat up a little bit. But I bet they'll be back. You know, they, they still have uh, plenty of support from the government as well to help them out. So um, we can move on, though, Zaj. And it's, oh, time, yeah. for a, it's time for a quick rundown of the Lockies. Right before then, what do you have? I, all I wanted to say is I think the other thing people would probably want to hear about is the fact that, you know, you saw some regulation potentially imposed by Robinhood in terms of limiting limiting free market. Yeah. You saw the way they received backlash to an extent of which, you know, they kind of got bullied out of it and they're now putting limitations and whatnot as opposed to full-on stoppage. Um, and, and I think that's just the case of one trading firm. And I know Amer TD Ameritrade and other, other places, they, they couldn't handle the volume, but also, yes, there were, you know, behind the scenes probably payments being made or what have you. We don't know exactly the sources. Yeah, it's, it, it was a little sketchy there for a little time. But like we said, I, I agree with you in that I don't think there is necessarily a regulation that's going to impact retail traders um, large scale. I think I think this is just an adjustment that now, uh, you know, these funds that have been profiting off short interest in companies like these for so long, it's an adjustment they have to make and be better prepared for as opposed to, you know, what happened this time around. Yeah, it's funny that they're they're saying when Robinhood IPOs, all the redditors are going to short it, but then they'll probably just get short squeezed all to all to death as well. So exactly, <laughs> everything comes full circle. But um, yeah, Robinhood took a lot of flack, but I mean, yeah, there was a bunch of brokerages that were in the same situation. It was it was really on the back end with uh, with the clearinghouses. They raised their capital requirements, and in Robinhood, as a startup, just didn't have the the capital for for that day, and they literally changed it in the morning. So. I understand. I didn't think the CEO, Vlad, did a good job at all, but we're running way over time for you guys, so we're going to move into the Lockies. And James, what's our first Lockie? It's going to say last year we had an MC for this, but this time around, you know, you've had two guests in the episode. We're going to whip these out and give you all the color you need behind them. We've had a few less awards than last year, um, but as always, we will be ladies first, and we're going to start with the top female athlete of 2020. Uh, last year went to Bianca Andreescu on the on the women's court, and uh, this time around it's going to another woman, um, Naomi Osaka, uh, the 2020 U.S. Open champ, uh, took home that trophy. Uh, Naomi, I think she's ranked number two in the world right now, um, but believe me, in the course of 2020, she was as dominant as anyone. Uh, Well-deserved, Lockie, for Naomi, so let's all give her you know, a round of applause wherever you're at. Take yeah. on the first one. I think she's right behind Ashley Barty right now. They're going to be really competing. Maybe maybe Naomi can go back-to-back with a 2021 Lockie. We'll see. Um, moving right along, though. 2020 top male athlete. It was an easy one for us. Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith. Just had a great season. Wins a national championship. Does it all. Um, and, you know, he's he's going to be a stud, I think, at the next level. Uh, um, I don't know. Maybe even a rookie of the year kid next year. He is, and it's crazy to me to think, you know, he's – wide receiver three on a lot of draft boards behind Jamar Chase and uh, his teammate Jalen Waddell, who broke his ankle. Um, but you know what he did? Uh, I think a lot of people thought, oh, he would have been in the shadow of Waddell. No, he stepped up and made the show all about him and made life real easy on Mac Jones. Uh, so hats off to Devontae. You know, he put Ohio State fans back in their place uh, as much as it hurt us, you know, tip the cap and move on. Good job, Devontae. Move on. Move on to the 2020 top guest of the show we've we've had a lot of good guests this year we we've had people we had in the episode they've both been repeat guests this year so so you know nick lurch that they were in the running 
Uh, we had Dr. Robert Turner. We had Jennifer Eakins. But we're going to give it to Cal Reynolds. Cal will cook it, Reynolds. Check out his Instagram, guys. He's blowing up in his TikTok. Sorry, I'm just not on the TikTok myself. But check it out. Cal is blowing up with his cooking channel, and he's also getting into the lifting side of things. He's a beast. And believe me, we've heard the protests. Uh, I know this year we didn't open it up to fan voting. Uh, we thought there was too much bias involved, and it's been a rocky year. Uh, but Cal garnered, I think, the most impressions on an episode we've seen in some time. So hat tip there. Uh, and, you know, please calm down at the protests. We, we want peace here. You know, next year fan voting will be back in session. Yep. Ruben, right along this award, we did have – it was last year, the big tiger Lockie. And this year, though, obviously, we had this Lockie last year. We're going to have to give it to Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. He blew up early in 2020 on Netflix with the Tiger King documentary. And, um, yeah, I mean, just I, I loved watching it. I honestly might have to go watch it again. But I, I do think Kara did feed her husband to uh, the cats. That's, that's all I have to say. It I think it was one of the first things during quarantine that got a lot of people through it. Like, I think that's one of the first things that blew up, took social media by storm. Uh, I'll be honest. I was one of the probably only people I know that has not watched it. So uh, I, I know I don't know what I was holding out for, but I know this this Lockie was well-deserved by Joe. And congrats to him and, you know, the family members that uh, – I think he's in jail, too. He, he, was yeah. hoping Trump, he was hoping Trump would pardon him, and Trump didn't. Yeah, <laughs> No bueno right there. Um, <laughs> Moving right along, James. Let's let's pat you on the back. You're going to get this Lockie. Yeah. You normally, we would have given it to a guest, but, you know, it's just this was the most impressive prediction. Nothing beats it. Um, the 2020 most impressive prediction. I'll let you tell it yourself. Sure. Yeah. No, I'll toot my own horn. Uh, when we did start the uh, baseball pre season preview for the MLB uh, in the shortened season of COVID. I said the Dodgers would take down the Rays in the World Series and their drought, and uh, they did exactly that. Um, I, I think I was picking any any which team that was not the Yankees in the AL, but I knew the Rays had some young talent, and they showed up. I did. I will admit I did not know who Randy Rosarina was at, at the time, uh, at, but when he showed up, he uh, spoke – he basically – brought my prediction into existence. So for that, I uh, give him a lot of credit and thank him. So uh, I think right after this, we can uh, boom, give the 2020 best team award to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I think those two go hand in hand and that they really were dominant the entire MLB season. Um, you know, in a 60 game stretch, everyone says, you know, you can go into a little slump here or there. Uh, but in 2020, they, they, I think from start to finish, just showed how dominant they really were. Um, I think was their final record, 43 and 17 in the regular season. Uh, obviously, the race took them to six games in the World Series. But overall, I think it, they were a clear cut tier above most most everyone else in their res respective sport. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll follow that up with the 2020 best female team. And we're going to give that to the Seattle Storm, w WNBA champs uh, led by Brianna Stewart. Um, yeah, runner-up was the Las Vegas Aces, but the Storm took them down um, and took back their title. They were winners in 2018, and now they get a title again in 2020. So good for the Storm. And what's next? Uh, I mean, also just worth noting, clean sweep for the Storm. And not only did, was it a clean sweep, they covered all three games uh, with, an, with an emphatic 33-point uh, victory to top things off. So, I mean, they were as dominant as dominant comes. Um, 
going forward, I think, Frank, some of these, uh, we weren't sure if we were going to see a year or two of these uh, Lockies, but they have survived the test of time. Uh, the Jeff Bagwell Award winner last year went to um, none other than Dave Portnoy um, for his uh, bedroom performance there. Uh, but this year, uh, we do have to tip the cap and give credit to Malik Beasley uh, for stealing the headlines with uh, Scotty Pippen's ex-wife, Larsa Pippen. Uh, much to the dismay of his family, you know, keep him in your thoughts and prayers, but at the very least, it's <laughs> lucky to present him with. Uh, I believe he is like the ripe age of 23, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he was caught kind of commenting on her IG and then was pictured holding hands with her. Um, so, yeah, 24-year-old Malik Beasley, Larsa Pippen, I think 42. Uh, news is still coming out about this. Malik Beasley saying his wife only married him for his money. It's not a good developing situation. So, at the very least, he has this Lockie to show for it. Yeah, now he's got a new nickname, Malik Bagwell Beasley. Good job, Malik. Good for <laughs> you, man. Love it. Um, in 2019, the biggest upset was Illinois football when they were plus 30 underdogs against the Wisconsin. But in 2020, we had a few good upsets. We had LSU over Florida in college football. We had uh, the Marlins making the playoffs in the MLB. But I think this is actually a bigger upset, Sage, and this is where we're going to go with the award. We're going to give it to Doug Peterson for getting fired. Um, I think it was – I mean, when did the Eagles win the Super Bowl? Was that three years ago, four years ago? Three years ago, I believe, yeah. It's got to be one of the quickest firings of a, of a Super Bowl-winning head coach. and I, I mean, deservedly so probably, but I would still say at the beginning of the season, no one would have predicted that huge upset. Yeah, no, I, I would not have seen it that way. I think he said he might take some time off from football. I still view him as a decent coach. I mean, his Week 17 performance tanking, I don't know if the front office instructed him to do that, what exactly went on. But he really stuck to the whole, you know, tried to win the game portion, and uh, it, it was clearly not the case. And uh, he got his pink slip shortly thereafter. So uh, good, good for Doug Peterson winning the, the biggest upset, Lockie. Uh, that's that's a coveted one, I know for sure. Yeah, um, at, least, at least he can hold on to that in the offseason, you know. Um, well, his offseason doesn't end, I guess, until he gets <laughs> the most dynamic sports couple, Lockie. Last year, it went to James Harden and strip clubs, um, all strip clubs included. This year, who are we, who are we giving this prestigious award? So this one goes to Jake Cutler and Kristen Cavallari. Uh, Jake, uh, they, you know, they famously split after a 10-year relationship. Um, uh, it got to the point where I think both had kind of gone separate ways to a degree, but, you know, they have kids together and whatnot. And uh, Jake Cutler, the, the backstory here recently uh, was called out by Madison Leecroy. Don't know a ton about her background. I know it's she's on, like, Southern Charm or something like that. Um, uh, sorry, I got to take a deep breath here right now looking at Fran and Lurch, our guest about to join us. But uh, Jake Cutler and Kristen Cavallari deserve this dynamic couple award because Madison Leecroy was calling out Cutler showing the slips and the receipts of the texts that she got from him. Uh, and shortly thereafter, Cutler and Cavallari post an Instagram saying, you can't break 10 years together. Uh, you know, basically just saying, regardless of what may have happened in our split, uh, we're bigger than any storyline that's going to come out about us. So props to them being dynamic, willing to go with the flow and uh, fight back against those uh, rumors, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of openings though for the 2021 Lockie there. So, you know, Start working on your power couple. You got to be an athlete too. That's the thing. Um, yep. We got a couple more awards. We're coming down the, the stretch here. We got the Andrew Luck early retirement Lockie. Last year went to Joe Conway 
for not doing his Sacco punishment and then just retiring from our fantasy league. This year, it's going to a actual NFL player, the Dallas Cowboys former center, Travis Frederick. Um, how old is he, James? That is an early he, retirement. He's 28, 29. I mean, as an offensive line, that's not that old. He was drafted first round of 2013. Uh, so he had a solid career for the Cowboys, went to several Pro Bowls. Good center. Uh, he was diagnosed with some sort of syndrome that affects his nervous system. I, I forget the exact name of it. Uh, so he lo- he came out of football for a year, came back, played the 2019 NFL season, uh, and then decided to hang it up. Uh, so he went down with some respect. Um, and obviously, tip of the cap to him. I, uh, unlike the honorable, unhonorable actions of Joe Conway, Travis Frederick's a guy that uh, went about it the right way. Uh, you know, similar to Luke Keekley or whatever, preserving his body for his family uh, and his life after football. So hat tip to him there. Uh, and then we also have, you know, speaking of uh, going down the right way and encourage, um, let's go to the Josh McCown 2019 or, or the 2020 Courage Award. 2019 went to Sean Crawford battling back from yet another injury and, you know, obviously coming with the Notre Dame team that went to the uh, college football playoff this year. So really well earned. He took that award and didn't stop churning. Uh, but yep. this year in 2020, Frank, I think uh, everyone tips their cap uh, to frontline workers uh, around the horn. Uh, it's been a hectic past. Ooh, I don't even I can't count any more 10 months or so. Uh, but everyone that's been on the front line dealing with the ramifications of COVID-19 and whatnot, uh, they deserve this Lockie uh, more than anyone else. Yep. Ever since Rudy, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell started getting in a big fight, they would have been a good couple. They would have been a good dynamic sports couple for the year, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, frontline workers, uh, everything they've done, to, you know, just the, the craziest year of the world. Even my parents said this is the craziest year of their lives. So just anyone that's really, you know, put themselves second and put others first this year, we, we really appreciate you. And, and you're going to get a lucky, all of you. So um, that's awesome. That's awesome for them. And and James, I, I think that's it for the Lockies. Uh, it is. We, I think we can wrap up this episode because people have been listening long enough with some love songs for Valentine's Day. I was going to say, you know, it's Super Bowl weekend. We're probably not going to get another episode in before Valentine's Day. So pick your favorite love song. Uh, we've got two of them here for you, depending on the mood you're in. Uh, if you're you're alone this this Valentine's Day, uh, this this love season. That's okay. There's a song called Valentine's Day by Mr. Wives that'll get you through it. It's a little dark, a little sad. That's all right. Let it cry out if you need to. Uh, we're here for your for your support. Uh, that's okay. Uh, but if you want, if you all, if you are like that and still want an upswing, Frank uh, Ed Sheeran's got a new song, doesn't he? Yeah, it's called Afterglow. Uh, pretty good song. Um, if you like Ed Sheeran, you'll you'll love this one. It's just another another hit by him. I think it came out in either January or December, so it's pretty fresh. Pretty pretty good for uh, yeah, pretty good for February. Love it. All right, so Frank, I think on that note, thank you guys for listening. Tune in to the Super Bowl, of course, this upcoming weekend. Of course, the big game Snackdown presented by DraftKings, uh, four thirty beforehand. Uh, just have a load of fun this weekend. Uh, pleasure, Our pleasure to bring it to you. Now go out and have yourself a great weekend. Make some money if you can.